Peace of Christ be with you. As we gather into this place, I invite you to slow down, to settle in, to take a couple of deep breaths, that you might be fully present here, that you might open up to the presence of the Spirit in our midst. Friends, let us worship in beloved community. Please rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. Listen for the call on your life and our life together. In your way. Sharpen our eyes to see what is true and good. Give us courage to do and be what you would have us do and be. Bless us with comfort where we have suffered for righteousness' sake. Bless us with restlessness where we need to grow. You may be seated.
You may be seated. I want to welcome you here to worship at Westminster. It is so good to be with you this morning. If you're visiting with us, a special welcome to you. I invite you after worship to join us out in our garden area for coffee, tea, some snacks, and most importantly, a chance to get to know each other a little better. I also invite you sitting here on the center aisle during our offering time to take that registration booklet and sign your name, pass it down the pew, pass it back. Take a look at the names of the people sitting near you so you may greet each other by name after worship. If you're new to Westminster, if you want to leave us some contact information, then we can be in touch with you about the church community. I do thank you for continuing to wear your masks. You'll see um, our mask update in the bulletin beginning next week. Uh, we are going to move to recommending but not requiring masks for vaccinated people at both of our services. Um, we are going to have a section of pews set aside um, for people who want to be masked and also want to sit by other people who are masked. There'll be a section of pews for that. And of course, if you're more comfortable in a mask, you can certainly sit anywhere as well. Um, but just to know, you know, following the state and the county guidelines, we will move to recommending but not requiring starting next Sunday. Let's join together now in our community prayer. Let us pray together. God, in our heart, we know what is good, what serves, what builds up. It is easy, however, to be lulled into ideologies or habits that really promote our own advancement or luxury over our deep soul knowledge of the Shake us from any complacency into which we may have stumbled. Help us to build a life and community of faith that is accountable to the law of love at all terms and not superficial gains for the reinforcing of potentially unhelpful beliefs and practices. Make us new through Jesus. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, know that in God we have ever-flowing love and acceptance and wisdom. In Christ, we are forgiven of all our failings and given strength to start anew again and again. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now, having pray prayed the community prayer in one voice, now is the opportunity for all of you to share the prayers that are on your hearts and minds this morning. So if you have a joy or concern to share with us, I invite you to just raise your hand and let us know. Yes, Sharon. <laughs> yes. Yes. First Presbyterian Church.
you. I, I, I don't know if, if Barbara and I were stars per se. <laughs> Okay, so Sharon was offering a joy uh, where uh, Barbara and I, along with 10 others, are uh, offering a series of benefit concerts this weekend of the music of Godspell uh, to benefit the street chaplaincy. Um, and Sharon was there, as were many of you, on either Friday night or Saturday afternoon, and you were just sharing what a joy it was to, to hear the music and to support such a wonderful nonprofit. And Sharon was calling Thanks. Bethany a star, and Barbara Kessel. Yeah. Sharon may have mentioned that we were stars. I don't know about that one. But, all right, I see lots of hands. No, Brandon, good. did you have your hand up? Placed it. Wow. You have a lot going on, Brandon, which is great. I really appreciate you sharing your joys with us. So a double sleepover and a football game this afternoon that if you win, you get to go into the playoffs. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Yes. I saw someone over here. Yes, Joan. So if, if you didn't hear that one, um, Joan was lifting up that she went to a, a book talk given by our own Lee Darby about a book that she has recently written, um, and Joan was just uh, saying how, how interesting and inspiring that talk was. So thank you, Lee, for sharing your gifts with us. Yeah. Her books are on sale. <laughs> and her books are on sale. There you go. <laughs> and they're a deal. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, Jen. Prayers for Jen's parents, a long-time beloved next-door neighbor who has now entered hospice care. Tila, did I see her? Absolutely, yeah. So Tila lifts up prayers of joy for Brad, who had a milestone birthday. Any birthday with a zero in it is a big one, right? Um, and then also lifting up prayers for her parents as they're sort of nearing retirement and really discerning sort of what the next step is for them in their life. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah, Sherry. So Sherry lifts up uh, both, I guess, a concern and a joy both. Spent a, a lot of time at the pet hospital this weekend with a cat who has pretty suddenly taken a turn for the worse. But the joy that the cat is home with you now and being able to spend time with her right now. Yeah. Yes, Amanda. Um, please pray for my uncle Tom. 
Amanda's uncle Tom just diagnosed with colon cancer. Certainly continue to include uh, people of Ukraine in our prayers. Um, I, I shared a prayer last week from the Presbyterian Peace Fellowship, and Presbyterian Peace Fellowship continues to be a really good source for me, um, just for, for, for prayer. And one thing that they posted on their website just recently um, was we ask people to pray because prayer changes us. You know, it helps us face our own inclinations to violence, gives us the courage to seek accountability and the resilience to stay with tender hearts in the struggle. We also ask people to pray because it matters for people to hear and see that violence is not faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we certainly continue to hold people of Ukraine in our prayers. That let us uh, take a few moments in quiet and then we'll share the Lord's Prayer together. Let us pray. Gracious God, you hear the prayers of your people, and they're offered in the name of the one who taught us to pray together, saying, Our The anthem we're sharing with you today was written in 1960 by Maurice Durufley, and it's based on a Gregorian chant, Ubi caritas et amor, Deus ibi est. The translation of this text is, Where there is charity and love, God is there. Congregavit nos in unum Christi amor. The love of Christ has gathered us as one. Exultemus et in ipso jucundemur. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Ti meamus et amemus Deum vivum. Let us honor and love the living God. Et excorde diligamus nos sincero. And from a sincere heart, let us love one another.
Thank you. I'd like to now invite any of the children who are worshiping with us this morning to uh, come join me here at the front. Do, do, Liam, this looks familiar to you? Uh-huh, yes, indeed. It's that time of year for the fish boxes. Yay, all right. So, yes, some of you may recognize these because we have done this before with the fish boxes. So, we um, are, have started what's called the season of Lent. Lent started last Wednesday and will continue to Easter. Um, and it's basically a time... At, prior to Easter that we prepare ourselves. We, we uh, consider all that maybe we've done wrong and we try to make a plan to do better. We think about our relationship with God and how we might draw closer to God. So a lot of time just for reflection on our own faith journeys. But in addition to sort of our own personal reflection, Lent is also a great time to think about others in our community, in our world. And one thing that happens during Lent is called one great hour of sharing. See, it's written here on this box, one great hour of sharing. And it's basically a, a collection um, of money that then helps a bunch of different programs all across the country. So it's not just our church that does one great hour of sharing. It's all the churches across the country. They collect money, and it goes to a few different things. I'll tell you about a couple of them. One is called Presbyterian Disaster Assistance. So when there's a natural disaster, say if there's a flood or a tornado or a fire, and people need help after that, Presbyterian Disaster Assistance will send money, will send people to help. Uh, one Great Hour of Sharing also supports some hunger programs. People don't have enough to eat to help support them. So a lot of really great causes. And all the adults out there next week are going to get a letter that explains more about that and encouraging them to give to One Great Hour of Sharing. But we want you to be involved as well. So I have for you this great fish box that actually, when you get home, you can figure out it folds into kind of a fish-like shape. You just sort of follow the folds. And on the top, there's a little slot. So what we encourage you to do is to collect some spare change. Maybe either spare change that you have, spare change that maybe some of the adults in your house may have. All throughout the season of Lent, you can just continue to stick coins in there. And then on Easter, the end of Lent, we'll bring these back. And then we'll give all of that change and all of the donations that all, all the folks out there have given, we'll give it to One Great Hour of Sharing and we'll go to help, help people who really need that help. Yes, Brandon? That is an excellent question and I hope that that happens. He asked, what if it gets filled? You'll note, I have all kinds of these boxes and in fact, I have more upstairs. I am happy to give you more if you want. And I've actually seen some people, this fish is a, a little kind of bland right now. I've seen some people that will actually go home and color the fish and make some, some beautiful scales. So you're welcome to do that too. Yes, another question. Oh my goodness. Well, that's, that's an interesting question that is a much longer discussion. He said, what if you use up all your money in there? Um, and you know, that's a really interesting thing to consider when we consider you know, helping out people with our money is how much do we give to others versus how much you know, do we keep for ourselves to tend to our own needs, right? So that's something to work out with you and your family of how much you actually put in there. It's a, it's a great discussion for you. You guys have such good questions. I love this. Yes, Liam. 
Um, you know what? That's, during Sacred Stories, you have some work time, right, with some art supplies. That might be a great opportunity. And, and Kate's back there listening to that. Kate, if they want to color their boxes. I love that idea. Okay, one more, because we do definitely have more worship to do today. And you have an important story to hear. Yes, Brandon. Oh, love that too. So I bet, see, look, this slot's kind of, like, it has some thickness to it. I bet if you folded paper money, you could stick that in there. Yeah. Doesn't have to just be coins. I bet a well-folded bill would fit, fit in there very nicely. So I want to pass these out to you. And again, at the end of Lent on Easter, we'll, we'll t collect them back. And then I have one for Chase. Oh, oh, thank you, Angie. You got one for Chase. All right. I'm going to take one to Zella out there, too. Oh, another one? All right. I tell you, I have plenty, and I have more upstairs. All right. So Kate's back there waiting to take you all to Sunday school. All right. Here we go. Go now in peace. Go now in peace. May the... The first reading this morning is from the book of Amos, chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. Listen what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel and for four, I will not revoke the punishment, because they sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. And they who trample the head of the poor into the dust of the earth and push the afflicted out of the way, father and son go into the same girl so that my holy name is profaned. They lay themselves down beside every altar on garments taken in pledge. And in the house of their God, they drink wine bought with the fines they imposed. This is holy wisdom, holy word. We follow those rather critical, even graphic words from the prophet Amos with these sharp words from Jesus in Matthew's gospel, the 23rd chapter, verses 27 to 36. Continue to listen for what spirit may be saying to us right here and right now. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside look beautiful, but inside they are full of the bones of the dead and of all kinds of filth. So you also on the outside look righteous to others, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus you testify against yourselves that you are descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your ancestors, you snakes. 
new brood of vipers. How can you escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore, I send you prophets, sages, and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify. And some you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town, so that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth. From the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Barakiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly, I tell you, all this will come upon this generation. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. We'll get to those difficult passages in a moment. I want to begin instead by comparing liturgy. The way church does worship, the word just comes from public work, the work of the people. Liturgy to a car wreck, or a near car wreck, I should say. If you were here last Sunday, you heard my wife uh, acknowledge that we were in a, what I called a near miss. Ruthie says I should call it a near collision. That's if actually more accurate. It was an actual miss. We were in West Marin driving, and we were on the outside lane coming around a corner. And on the inside lane was a truck, a cherry picker, and it had taken the turn too fast. And so it drifted across the median and was trying to regain control. And when we passed each other, it was already up on two wheels. And then in my rearview mirror, I saw it flip and land on its side and skid to the side of the road. We pulled over. Sherry called 911. We both, in exceedingly calm voices, told our son to stay calm. Everything's okay. <laughs> and ran to the truck to see if the workers were okay. And astonishingly, they were seemingly unscathed. Who knows what later emerged, but they were standing, climbing out of the vehicle, and were okay. Now, there's a lot one could unpack about that story. But there's one piece that has actually stuck with me the longest that is apropos for today. Thus, the comparison to liturgy. Get there in a second. When I got to the truck and they were climbing out, I was struck by the looks on their faces. Now, I acknowledge that this all may be my own projection, but this is just how I experienced them. It wasn't elation, having survived a harrowing incident. It wasn't terror, having gone through a traumatic incident. It may well have been shock. But what I felt coming off them was, we're going to be in huge trouble. We're going to lose our jobs, and maybe more not speculating on their status. But that's just what I felt coming off them. And I thought, how tragic to have gone through something like that and you can't even sort of wipe your brow because you're afraid. And maybe there was more going on. And then as the day unfolded and I kept thinking about them, I started to wonder about, well, and somebody owned that company, that tree trimming company. And now they've lost a truck. How much are those worth? $100,000? Two? I don't know. And the insurance on those can't be cheap, and this hasn't been a great time for business, and what's going to happen to that? The questions just started coming. It just opened up in that little scary incident, all these questions about people's place in life and all the challenges they face and all the weight people carry all the time. And that accident, or well, it was an accident. We weren't in the accident. But that accident 
is a little bit like good liturgy should be. And here's what I mean by that. Good liturgy, the rituals of the church, the coming together, being in spiritual community, the engaging in practices and service, that should open us in mind, in heart, our eyes and our ears to the state of people's lives. Should open us up for opportunities to be more loving and to care about others. That's the point of all of it. Now, it doesn't always operate on a conscious level, but even subconsciously. That anthem was a good example of it. I don't know about you, but when I heard that, it put me into this sort of this heart space that's just wide open, right? Helps me become a more compassionate person. Jesus had some sharp words to say for people who got the religious ritual part right, and the ritual isn't the problem, but the, they missed what was supposed to be inside of it, what the ritual is supposed to cultivate, sustain, and maintain in people. And so they were missing the point altogether. And this is what he said. For you build the tombs, he's speaking to the leaders of his tradition, the tombs of the prophets, and you decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would not have taken part with them in the shedding the blood of the prophets. But Jesus implies, by the way they've been living their lives, that of course they would have taken part. Because they've only gotten the ritual piece down. They haven't gotten the inner transformation or inner power down at all. And incidentally, it's far easier to say, well, if we had been there, we would have done something different. If I had been German in 1940, I would have done something different. If we're watching what's unfolding in Ukraine, we wonder, would we have the courage to do what some of those have been doing? Ukrainians, Russians, others alike. I was late to greeting in the parking lot, as I'd like to do for the service, so if I missed you, I'm apologize for that. I was in my study watching an interview with a Russian prisoner of war, and the stuff he was saying was unbelievable and unbelievably courageous about how he's seen what a farce this is and begging people to get the word back home to tell the truth about what's really happening. Easy to say, if I were there, I would have that same kind of courage. I don't know. It's one thing to march for climate justice in Fairfax. It's quite another to protest for peace in St. Petersburg. Right? I can walk around good earth, you know, lifting a sign for organic food. It does not a lot of risk, right? <laughs> the reason we have these, we do all this is to cultivate the kind of character that allows us to stand up when the stakes are so real. And Jesus says to them, you all are cavalier in the way you speak of it, and maybe you should spend a little less time polishing the tombs and a little more time sinking into the depth of what the tradition is offering. He says, You're, you are like whitewashed tombs. You don't just tend them, you are them, which on the outside look beautiful, but on the inside they're just full of bones and dead and all kinds of filth. So on the outside you look righteous to others, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So when it comes down to it, you're not living in to the fullness. Now that's an image for you, isn't it? 
you're a bunch of graves, polished on the outside, but rotten on the inside. Last week, I spoke about, just briefly, about Paul Farmer, that incredible physician and public health advocate and worker for the poorest of the poor in the world. And he said, the root of all that's wrong with people, all that's wrong with the world, is the notion that some lives are worth less than others. And I might say, as a caveat to that, that the root of all that's wrong with groups, whether it's a religion or a government or any other collective, is usually not the ideals to which said group says they aspire to. It's their ability or inability to live into those ideals. And this was the heart of the civil rights movement, was it not? You know, folks like King or James Baldwin or name your, your figure. They say, you say you're about this, equality for all, but in the way you live, you're clearly not because we have discrimination, formal and informal. And it's funny because I think so many of us go through life looking for that novel piece of wisdom, that, that mystery teaching that, if, oh, if we just had it, everything would change. But I'm here to tell you, the wisdom's all right there, named in so many ways and so many different forms and different traditions, so much of it worthy and worthwhile. And the challenge is not learning it, the challenge is doing it, is living into it, living up to it. Amos put it in plain and sharp terms. You say you're supposed to be just, you caring for the poor and taking care of the community, and you sell out the poor as fast as you can say the word. Trample on them, cast them aside, the sick, the widow, you take advantage of the girl. You're not living into what you say. You get drunk on wine at the altar, purchased with fines you levied upon the people. Imagine that. Bethany and I start fining you all, <laughs> just generally, but particularly for poor attendance. And then the one, the one day you drop diapers by to atone for your sins, you find us in here drinking on the steps of the... Well, that would be funny for all kinds of reasons, but... but that's the level of hypocrisy that Amos points out. The liturgy, the practice, the tradition, all of it, even our theology, it's meant to foster a certain way of being, a certain way of moving through the world. Ask anybody why they're not a Christian. I would guess most of the time they're not going to argue with the teachings of Jesus or the way of Jesus. They might say they don't believe this or that about Jesus. Some of you might say that true. And probably most likely they're going to argue with the followers of Jesus and how they've conducted themselves or failed to conduct themselves in the world. It's about a crisis of integrity. That's what all the greats call us to. The prophets, Christ, live into that which you know is good and right. Shane Claiborne is somebody who has tried in, in quite literal ways to live into what it means to follow Jesus very much in this world. And what he says is, if your theology doesn't make you more loving... Get rid of your theology and choose love. That that's the standard within the standard. 
And if what we're doing doesn't facilitate that, then what we're doing isn't working. So I, there are a couple of options. We could just get rid of all the tired rituals. And if they're truly tired, we probably should. Though then you have to consider what we replace them with because we need something to hold us, to connect us, to both simultaneously comfort us and challenge us, depending on what we need. It's a pretty complex set of requirements, actually. We can also just start to breathe life back into them. Resurrect them in their meaning and their depth so that they can prepare us for those moments when we will be called upon to do extraordinary things. This last Wednesday was Ash Wednesday, a day that's just rich with opportunity for meaning and transformation when we mark our heads or our hands with ashes. As a reminder, that ancient sign of penitence and repentance, which unfortunately has been used to the eons just to layer guilt upon guilt and shame upon shame upon people. Well, that doesn't do much good, so that's when we can retire. But real repentance is just about opening yourself up. The ashes become a sign of sorrow for where you feel sorrow for how your life is compared to how you would like your life to be where you've lost your alignment, where you've drifted off course, where you've come disconnected from what you want to be, you as an individual and you as a part of a collective, even a collective that's bigger than you can control. We name it honestly, we weep over where there's that incongruity, and we seek to bring things back into alignment. Ashes on the head or the hands remind us of that space. Ashes on the head and the hands remind us of our mortality. We live in this culture that's so averse to death. I sat in on that grief series, which began last Wednesday. I hope you can join in if you weren't there uh, online. Powerfully confront the power of death in the world, the reality of it, and so that we can rest in the one in whom we rest both in life and in death more fully. Put ashes on the head and ashes on the hands, and we remember that we came from the dust. Adam, the first being in the scriptural story, just means dirt person, soil being, earthling, literally. We come from the earth. And in doing so, it invites us to recognize the brokenness in that relationship that we're experiencing with the world that gives us life. The UNIPCC report came out this week, too long to read word for word, at least yet, for sure. But any summary will tell you that the state of that relationship is incredibly dire. Right? And turning away won't make it go away. The ashes pull us back to look at it and feel an invitation in that to restore and heal that relationship. Any environmental crisis will hurt the poor the most. It is and will, more and more and more. Nobody argues with, about that. So what would Amos say if we ignore that invitation to heal that relationship more and more? What would Jesus say if we fail to accept that invitation to heal that? Coming back into integrity and alignment. We're going to have communion in just a couple of minutes. This ancient ritual, rich with opportunity for meaning and depth. When we break the bread, we can remember 
and call our hearts and our minds to the broken places in the world in our lives, and we can practice running toward the brokenness rather than from it so that we can find out if the guys in the truck are okay or if they're wounded so that we can ask the bigger questions about whether they will be okay even though they are okay. When we share bread and cup at the table, we make sure there's enough for everyone. We can ask the questions about the places in the world where there isn't enough for everyone and why, whether it's enough to eat or enough places to stay for a reasonable fee or for no fee for people who can't manage it, whether there's enough access to medical care for people, education, employment opportunities. All these questions spring forth from the sprouts of the bread. We break the bread and share the cup. We are called to remember the sacrifice of Jesus and ask for what or for whom would we be willing to sacrifice? Question that seems more real this week than two weeks ago. When we pour the cup, we call our hearts the places in which we are poured out, just empty, have nothing left, or the world seems poured out. And we remember how God so graciously and lavishly and overflowingly poured God's self out to give us this incredible creation that provides for us with fruits that give us life. In the sharing of the bread and the cup, we toast in joy and in song to the covenant, God's promise to all creation. And we lean toward and lean into being people of the covenant, people who are good to their word, who promise to love neighbor as self. We're united to the saints in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of cup from all times. And thus we feel a part of something greater and larger. We're filled at the table with bread and cup. And yet, in doing so, we paradoxically cultivate a hunger and a thirst for righteousness for all. We head into this sacred pilgrimage of Lent starting today. We journey with Jesus through the wilderness and to Jerusalem. And in doing so, we begin by remembering how Jesus called his own people to account for a lack of integrity, saying they're like whitewashed tombs, being a brave truth speaker. I read a stat this week, going off script, but it just comes to me, that in 1965, Gallup did a poll about whether churches wanted their pastors to be in civil rights marches, and 65% of churchgoers said no. Easy to say what we would have done. Jesus begins the Lenten journey by calling, it, calling us to account, not popularly so. And he ends the journey by marching right into the grave. But he cleans it from the inside out once and forevermore. Amen.
You may be seated. So as we prepare to come to the Lord's table, we are reminded that all are welcome. All are invited to participate in this meal. I hope that you either brought your own communion elements or you received the self-serve communion elements when you entered this morning. If not, I see our usher, Kirk, is there ready and willing to bring you the communion elements if you need it. Just raise your hand. Perfect. Just raise your hand if you need it, and Kirk will. Just keep your hand up while I'll keep talking, but he will um, come and make sure you have what you need. Um, We've had several questions about communion um, and COVID regulations. Our current plan is next month, the first Sunday of April, to return to our more traditional form of communion, the walking forward to receive the elements, though we will also have an option for those who feel more comfortable staying in the pew. Um, So hopefully, if all moves in the right direction, COVID-wise, we'll return to uh, the walk-up communion next month. Again, Kirk's coming around. Keep your hand up if you need the elements. And we remember that Jesus invites us to come to the table in peace. So I invite you to share the peace of Christ with one another. The peace of Christ be with you all. You may be seated. I hope you continue that spirit after the service when you greet each other in that way, particularly if you come across someone you don't recognize, that you follow up with them at uh, coffee hour after the service. Friends, when the resurrected Christ appeared to a couple of his disciples and spent time with them, They didn't recognize him until they engaged in that sacred ritual of breaking bread together. And it was in that moment that their eyes were open, good liturgy, to who he was and what that moment meant. So as you come to this table, as people come from north and south and east and west to sit together at table, may your eyes be likewise opened. Will you join with me? God be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to God. Let us pray. Loving God, as we enter into this season of Lent, we realize that it can be a season of wilderness. The Lenten roads can be long, yet also full of gifts, for Christ is our companion on the journey. As we begin this journey together at this table, we remember Jesus' own time in the wilderness, the struggles and the hunger, as well as the peace. May the Spirit who traveled with Christ in the wilderness also be with us, becoming our strength and filling our lives with love. On this journey, we will crave the bread of life, and thirst for the fruit of the vine, the cup of blessing. And we give thanks that we may share in this meal together on this day, in this place. 
while also remembering that this meal unites us with the entire family of your faithful people everywhere. So hear us now, O God, as together we lift our voices in praise. Friends, on the night of his arrest, Jesus took bread, and having given thanks, he blessed it, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and he said, This is the cup of the new covenant, which is sealed in my blood. It is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink of it, he said, remembering me. This is the feast of God for the people of God. Let us now share in this feast together. Let us pray. Oh God, we are filled. We've been made full at this table, full of love and grace and joy, gratitude, hope, promise. Some of us may be filled with other things too, fear, trepidation, worry, uncertainty. We give thanks that you meet us wherever we are, and we ask that you send us out into the world, not waiting until we are perfected, but knowing that in our brokenness we can create healing. We ask but one thing, O oh God, and that is that you go with us in our own pilgrimages and our common pilgrimage. So go with us, O oh Christ. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen. Amen. So as always, I invite you to take a look at all the announcements in our bulletin. I've decided my theme is going to be, it's not too late. Because it's not too late for a lot of the things in here. We have a, a gathering for our families with young children this afternoon. Not too late to join in that. Our Spiritual Life book group meets tomorrow night. This is their second meeting about this book, but if you didn't join in the first time, that's okay. Join in now. Not too late. Uh, Rob already mentioned the grief series. Um, there is actually a typo. It's supposed to be Thursday, March 10th, right? March 10th is a Thursday. Yes. Um, so uh, if you register on the link of the Eventbrite link, which you can find on our website, you'll get the Zoom link for Thursday the 10th. You can join in that even if you missed last week. Um, lots of opportunities here to, to, to be a part of the life of the church and just invite you to be involved in the way that makes sense for you. And let's uh, stand now as you are comfortable for our closing hymn number 166. Thank you. 
we've tried to be consistent throughout this past two years and following what the local guidance is on, on protocols around the pandemic. And that's why the change next week. If for some reason you feel that that excludes you from participation, please let us know. We want to be as creative as we can in working with you. We don't want anybody to lose that connection. It's more important now than ever. So we'll, we'll work together. As you go from this place, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and who is Mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit go with you this day and every day. Amen.